everyone. I'm Jensine Bard, and welcome to Testimony, where truth is told, lives are changed, and hope is given. Revelation 12:11 tells us that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. A testimony of your story for His glory. In a month where America honors the achievements, uniqueness, and giftedness of its African-American brothers and sisters, Black History Month, we are also sadly reminded of its failings, morally, biblically, economically, socially, and politically. But why and how? It's been over 50 years since Martin Luther King Jr. delivered his epic, I Have a Dream speech a speech born out of traditional and biblically-based values, honoring the human dignity of every American while fighting for the injustices that prevailed at that time, peacefully and purposefully. You would think we've come a long way since then as a nation and a people, but have we? Here to talk about this and much, much more with her latest great read, Blind Conceit, politics, policy, and racial polarization, how to move forward to save America, is its author, syndicated columnist, and founder of CURE, Center for Urban Renewal and Education. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Star Parker. Star, welcome to Testimony. Well, thank you. It's wonderful to be with you. Well, it's great to have you here, Star. We met last year at the National Religious Broadcasters in Nashville. I understand you may be there this year. And yeah. your pursuit has seemingly not changed since that time, but become even more intense. But before we get to all of this in part one of our two-part conversation today, would you just begin to share with our audience how you came to faith in Jesus Christ and how that decision would forever change the direction of your life, your way of thinking, and your life's journey. Star, please tell us that story. Well, my story is one that we hear often uh, where people can get lost in the decisions that they make, some of it because of outside influences. Um, me particularly, I believe the lies of the left uh, some of those lives we still hear today, that the poor are poor because the wealthy are wealthy, or that my problems were somebody else's fault, or that America was so inherently racist I didn't need to mainstream. And in listening to the combination of these lies without counter-information, it's very easy for people to get lost in the decisions they are making, including myself. So I began down this journey very early of criminal activity and sexual activity and uh, drug activity and uh, began to uh, make even worse choices getting involved in these types of activities to land me in and out of abortion clinic after clinic as my birth control, to land me in and out of, wow. of opportunities of breaking and entering and armed robbery. And it wasn't until a Christian conversion that I was able to change my life. Uh, one of the decisions I made to subsidize my income after having a child outside of marriage was to um, go on welfare. And it was in that existence that God found me. I was looking to subsidize my welfare check to get money under the table. Uh, few people realize just how cruel Uncle Sam is to the poor. Uh, the rules of welfare were don't save, don't work, don't get married, 
and they kind of keep you enslaved to government dependency. And so there are very few loopholes, but one is that if you can find a business owner who will just give you a little money under the table that you didn't have to report to the government, you might be able to have enough cash to uh, move to the next level. So I went to get subsidized money, and the business I walked into this particular time uh, said that they didn't pay like that. The young men that worked there that owned the business said that they were legitimate businessmen and that they uh, were not about to uh, get involved in illegal activity with me. And, of course, I confronted them about mainstreaming and what I believe was a racist society at the time, and we got into a heated discussion. Uh, the next thing I knew, they told me that I would not be able to work there even if I left welfare because of my lifestyle. Wow. And when I confronted them about my lifestyle and what was wrong with it, I asked. They said it was unacceptable to God. And when they said it was unacceptable to God, it was one of the first times in my life that I actually started thinking about decisions I was making. I didn't know God. I was not brought up in a Christian household. But when they said that, it resonated inside of me that something was not only troubling in my spirit, but that there may be a way out. I left that place of business. I went back to my existence, and one of the gentlemen that was there kept calling me to invite me to his church. I finally went to church with them. And that's when I heard the gospel. I heard that God was in Christ, that he was reconciling the world to himself, that he wasn't counting my sin against me, that he loved me, that he had died for me, and that he wanted me to be free. I accepted that message, and I then began a journey to change the decisions that I was making and the course of my life. But how started you physically begin to make that change, to change that paradigm, to change your mindset I started saying no where I should say no, and I started saying yes where I should say yes. One of the uh, uh, information pieces that was passed in the church was that God had in the Bible 31 Proverbs, and we have 31 days in some of our months, so it would be a good idea to develop the practice of reading a proverb a day, and I developed that that habit. And in those Proverbs from King Solomon, you find instruction on how to live. So I began to say yes to what I should be doing and no to the things that I should not be doing. And over time, my life started taking a turn for the better, and the life of my daughter started taking a turn for the better, just better attitude, better people in our lives. And within three years or so, uh, the preacher at the church I continued to go to uh, looked out at 4,000 people and said, why are you living on welfare? He said, the government is not your source. I thought he was talking to me, although there were 4,000 people there. He said, you have a decision to make. It's God or government. And he said, and my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He opened the Bible to Philippians 4.19 and read this. I had been given a Bible, so I read it with him. I went home from church that day, and I wrote a letter to my caseworker that I was trusting the Lord. I would not be needing her welfare anymore and to take my name off. She received that letter, and she called me and basically cursed me out, told me I would be back. And um, because she knew that I was not going to be able to be successful, she would leave my name in queue. I then determined that I was going to get my name out of queue, and there's one real simple way to do it, and that's by not returning a form that they send you once a month with your check. If you don't return it, you won't get a check. I did not return it, and I did not get a check. And God then began to move in my life to where I was able to get a part-time job, work hard at that job, turn it into a full-time job. And when that job was taken away from me, 
I was able to transition into my own business because while I was working that job part-time, I had gone back to college to get a degree. I got a degree in marketing and international business, and then I started a business. And after the 1992 Los Angeles riots destroyed my business, I wasn't going back to welfare because I'd seen God's hand move so aggressively in my life. Wait a minute. Who remember. destroyed your business? Can you back up the a little bit? The 1992 Los Angeles riots. I was um, printing a magazine in Los Angeles during the time of the riots. I'd worked up to where I had eight employees and, and, and a healthy uh, bottom line. Uh, but the 1992 Los Angeles riots burned down most of the businesses that were my advertisers uh, because it was a very local publication. And uh, but I but I wasn't going back to welfare. It was just I'd seen the hand of the Lord. I knew that um, that He had proven Himself in my life that He would supply my need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So I just continued to move forward. I was able to transition into talk radio as a result of a phone call that I received from a gentleman who ran a Salem station down in Long Beach. I began co-hosting, and through that experience, I was able to land a deal with ABC because they had just opened a 100% conservative talk station in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And I then ended up with a daily show, and I transitioned to Los Angeles, uh, the number one market at the time. I then was fired from that job. Uh, but I still was not going back to welfare because what I was able to experience with the Lord moving in my life after my business was destroyed, I'd gotten in a position where I was I, I could remember depositing more money uh, in a week than the government had sent me in a year. By the wow. time I was leaving talk radio, I could remember depositing more money in a week than the government had sent me the whole time I was in and out of welfare. So I just continued on that journey. I did not stay in talk radio because by then I was wanting more to fix the problems than talk about them. We were talking about a lot of problems at the time. We were having discussions on welfare reform in the country. I was very vocal about my testimony from leaving welfare, and it got picked up in the national news, and I began to consult on federal welfare reform with the GOP Congress at the time. Wow. We were able to be successful in getting that bill passed that I knew when I did the Oprah Winfrey show, and she told her 7 million uh, viewers that if we passed welfare reform, that children were going to starve and women would be kicked out to the streets. I knew that those welfare moms that listened to her as if she's some goddess uh, were going to be very afraid. So I started my current organization to get information to pastors in the hard-hit communities that that was not going to be the reality after welfare reform, that indeed welfare is a cancer in their communities, it's destroying everything that is touching, and we needed to do major surgery, and that's what the welfare bill was all about. After that happened, uh, and I began to have series of sessions with the pastors, different seminars to tell them about what was really in the welfare bill and start working with them on how they can move their community forward, uh, Cure began to grow, and that is the organization that I run today in Washington, D.C. Wow, what a phenomenal story. You are the poster child for success uh, from less than favorable, desirable circumstances. You've fought the good fight over being fired, your place of business being burned down. What an amazing story, Star, which is one of the reasons I wanted to have you on. Testimony to give hope to anyone that's out there listening today that they, too, can do it. The government is not their source. God is their source. You are proof of that. You stepped out in faith. And God says to prove me, and you've done that. I want to segue into your latest great read entitled Blind 
conceit. And for part two, we're going to get into more depth. Can you just, in our brief moments here, tell us why you wrote the book, what it actually is a compilation of? Well, I'm a syndicated columnist, nationally syndicated, and for 10 years with Scripps News Service. So that means I'd written 500 columns or so for Scripps News Service to be distributed to their 300 newspapers about a variety of issues, headline issues of race, of poverty, of racial polarization, and how in the world are we going to get past this horrible state of affairs that we're in as a country. And so what I did in Blind Conceit is I compiled those columns, the best of some of those writings, to talk to uh, whoever is willing to listen uh, that the answer to poverty is freedom and personal responsibility. It's not a welfare state that we're at war in our country, and we need to make some decisions. So I talk about that in Blind Conceit. The title is from Psalm 36, where God said that sin whispers in the ear of the wicked, that it's deep in their heart. They have no fear of God, so they cannot restrain themselves. And in their blind conceit, they can't even see how wicked they are. Uh, they are wicked. The policies that they are promoting are destroying people's lives, but they are so arrogant and so blind in their conceit these secular status that we're up against that are trying to change the course of this country and the future of, of generations, I wanted to expose them and I want to talk about solutions. So that's what Blind Conceit does. Thank you, Star, for being with us today on Testimony and sharing just a little of your story with us. Powerful and impactful. We look forward to hearing more next week. God bless you. Oh, I appreciate this opportunity. God bless you, too. Thank you. Testimony is a global broadcast made possible by the generous contributions of our valued partners at Jensine Bard Ministries and you, our listening audience. Together, we are reaching souls for Christ, one testimony at a time. If you would like information on how you can support this broadcast with your tax-deductible gift, please visit us at jensinebard.com. That's one word, J-E-N-S-I-N-E-B-A-R-D.com. And join the conversation at our Facebook page, Testimony with Jensine Bard. Thank you for listening, and please join us again for Testimony. Testimony.